films, we hope. I'm recording this now, so watch your watch your language. Oh boy, here we go. Always with the language. You know I can't hold back. We're not working blue today. <laughs> copy that. Copy that. Uh, congratulations on uh, on ten years of of the selling. It's a it's a creepy, funny movie. It's so good, isn't it? It's I'm so so proud of of Gabe for writing it and just the whole cast and crew. Emily Friend directing it. It was just such a wonderful experience. It really was like, oh, a bunch of people, many of whom went to college together, making a movie that they'll be proud of forever. I have a film like that in my history. It's The Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. And uh, I'm proud to be in it. But wow. yet, you know, um, you kind of go, wow, this was, you know, we, we can never do it again because of of, of the the history involved in, in, in doing it. So you get it. You get yeah. it. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, do you, do you like watching yourself? Can you, do you stand like, I can't see, I can't stand yeah. on anywhere. Yeah. It's a really good question. I would say it, like anything, when you do it long enough, you sort of get, you sort of toughen up to it. At least I have kind of built calluses that I definitely didn't have when I was younger. Uh, but it is like a callousing kind of experience. Like it's, there's still stuff that I would maybe cringe at, but for the most part, I think I cringe when I definitely am in something or have done something that I think could have been better. But with a movie like The Selling, everything that's surrounding my performance and just the writing was so good and the experience of shooting it was so pleasant that it is something that I have no problem watching. And I can't say that about everything. So um, when I watch it, I'm... I really enjoy it. I don't think there are even that many moments where I'm kind of going, you know, oh, I, oh, wow, really? Are my nostrils that big or whatever it is that we think to ourselves? <laughs> um, it's when something's that good, you can sort of see it holistically and it removes ego. And that is the best gift you could possibly get from a project, I think, is to just, you know, lose, lose your ego. For, it's not about that. It's about how good it is and, and how great everyone was, you know? And you're working with 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 a bunch of great people. You know, I love Barry Boswick. I think oh, the man can do anything. He's a treasure. He's a treasure of a human being as well. He's definitely in the don't meet your heroes department. He does not apply at yeah. all. He's well worth spending any amount of time with that you can. And and Simon, uh, uh, one of, one of his first things was this movie. Simon, yeah, Simon was, I mean, I think he was, I guess the Big Bang Theory had probably already started, but he had worked with Bob Odenkirk and done a bunch of sketch stuff. And he does improv with me in a, kind of a, a improv group that I'm in. Um, and he's so brilliant and just so unique and special. And yeah, it was so great to have him be a part of this as well. How has improv uh, improved your, your, your acting skills? I would say it's improved my acting skills, but even more so, I feel like it's, it's it's improved my skills at just being a clumsy, dumb human being because it gives you permission to fail and it gives you permission to get good at something. And a lot of people have that experience doing other stuff like starting a sport that they don't know anything about or, you know, deciding to learn how to scuba dive. But there are others of us who, you know, maybe we were kids who were tough on ourselves for one reason or another. And it was like, if you try something and 
and you don't have a natural aptitude for it right away, there's a sense of, uh, oh, I don't belong here. You know, I don't belong doing this thing. And so for me, improv kind of was that gateway into just spectacular failure, being okay and being in fact necessary to get better at something. And so if you can give yourself permission to do that in that environment, I think you find that you're thinking faster on your feet just in your day-to-day -day life. You're more comfortable meeting new people. You have less social anxiety. And yes, your instincts are, you're sort of more in touch with the moment and with your instincts and with, again, letting go of that ego um, when you're acting. And so I think that definitely, uh, definitely helped my performance and i think it helps a lot of people who you know i mean it helps ceos sometimes who decide to take an improv class so it works across the board it seems well you know for me it trained me to listen just to shut up once in a while and just listen to the other actor that's such a good point i should have said that first <laughs> i'll be your writer from now on thank you thank you uh i would imagine that uh and i you know this is just out of my own experience but hosting something is a lot more difficult than acting in something because hosting you have to be yourself and a lot of people don't like being themselves on camera you're right it's a completely different muscle like we're if we're talking about muscles and it is you can really see how someone would love doing one thing and not like doing the other and so you know it makes sense and you, that crosses over into stand-up comedy as well. I think, you know, somebody who wants to be a stand-up comedian might not want to host something because they feel like they have to get their act down and everything they say seems spontaneous, but is in fact very controlled. And if you're acting, obviously, as you said, you have a script, you're a character, you can disappear inside of that and you don't have to kind of own your own personality. And then if you're hosting something, you know, it, you're right. While you might have a script, the idea is still to kind of be connected to whatever you are, whoever, whatever you've got to offer and just lean into it, even if part of that is making fun of yourself. So you can see how all of those things are different. I happen to be a person who likes doing all of them. And I think in the podcasting kind of uh, mecca that exists today, um, it's maybe it's turning out that more people are getting more comfortable with that than than ever before. You know, what do you think about that? Uh, well, I think I think podcasting is is therapy for a lot of people. Uh, I think they find themselves rather than you know in interviewing because you you are uh, a great interviewer. I've seen you do it, and I I I followed you into junket rooms. Were you on War of the Worlds? Did you do that junket? No, no, I, I didn't. Went, uh uh. Um, but I know Dinner in a Movie was there because it was either you or I forgot the guy's name that, that used to host. Yeah, he, like maybe yeah. Paul, Paul Gilmartin could be. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, I mean, getting those interviews and not being, you know, being nervous, but not showing it, you know, uh, is, is great. But I'm an eight year old kid when I interview, too. And so I let that part of me out. And it's therapeutic because I get that that answer I've always wanted, you know, from from the movies. How about you? Yeah, I think that I think you're right. I think you have to be a person who's genuinely interested in not just one specific thing, but just interested in other people in general so that you are maybe the person who is very alive in that kind of scenario and making that real connection. And it's just like you said, with improv is, you know, are you present and are you 
Are you finding opportunities to create a quality conversation that stretches beyond whatever the five questions you're quote unquote supposed to ask are? And that doesn't mean, you know, being disrespectful and like prying or anything like that. But I think anything you can do to help pull someone out of like the glazed over experience of what it means to be interviewed about the same thing over and over again, everybody wins. They're going to have a good time. You're going to have a good time and you're both going to look better for it. Well, you have to throw in a question or two that just, you know, wakes people up. Like, where, where do you buy your shoes? That's right. That's right. That's well, right. I mean, really, where where do you your, buy? No. Uh, oh, oh, my shoes. Well, yeah. right now I'm wearing Snoopy slippers. Uh, so always the professional in the podcasting and Zoom world. Make sure you have on ridiculous shoes just in case your friend asks you what you're wearing. Um. And what are you doing? You're not uh, America's favorite actress. Uh, uh, do you cook? Do you do you go hiking? <laughs> what? I mean, you're in great shape. What do you What do you do? I do not cook. Uh, I did so much of that on Dinner and a Movie, and I really thought that that would be something that I took with me into my life. And for a while, I did. Um, and then something happened, and I just got incredibly lazy when it comes to cooking, even though I, I love food and I, I love eating. But I do spend a lot of time outside. I think for me, living in Los Angeles, um, you know, there's a lot about this business that is stressful and there's a lot about living in a big city that is stressful. And I'm very, very grateful that I live as close as I do to Griffith Park because it is just this, you know, wilderness that you can wander into and totally disconnect from all of that stuff. So I do like to be outside. You're not wrong. And uh, it's probably kept me sane or at least partially sane. I, I used to live in Las Vegas. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I, you're right I, there. Yeah, we were neighbors. Off of uh, well, I, I used to rent uh, uh, Danny DeVito's and uh, Rhea Perlman's little casita that they had, and oh my uh, gosh, on Catalina, I believe was the street. I I know it very well. I know it very well. There's beautiful houses up there. You weren't far from the the big Ennis house, the Frank Lloyd Wright Mayan tomb that sits atop that hill. No, I I I, I love that area because it's a, one of the safest places you can go jogging. Yeah. It's great. Safe, safest, but hilliest. <laughs> and there's that little par three golf course just right under Griffith Park that nobody knows about. Nobody sees. That's right. Um, and and it, as we're winding up, because I just think this is just catching up. This is rather an interview. We're just catching up. Um, are you um, are you going to be directing and I know you produce, but I mean, are you going to be directing uh, at any time soon? I mean, it's not something that I have been trained in formally enough that I would feel comfortable jumping in. I think I have a very strong desire to start shadowing some of my friends who are directors and feel like I get can get comfortable in that realm. Um, it's such an obnoxious thing to say, but honestly, that it takes a lot of time to do that. And I haven't had that kind of time yet. And I think it is one thing that I would have to, it, that, that is enough of a commitment that it, it would come to, I have to give up something else to make room for that. What's that thing going to be? And I don't know what that thing would be yet, but you're right, Tony, I'm super interested in it. And I would like to get there at some point. Do you uh, still talk to Chelsea? And, and uh, I, I remember, were you friends with Carrie Keegan? I don't know who any of the people you just said were. Chelsea Handler? 
Oh, I'm yeah, I I definitely was never <laughs> friends with Chelsea. Yeah. I mean, I I know Chelsea from the comedy world and I was I enjoyed doing her show from time to time, but we were never like I was never close to her in that way. I'm so impressed with what she's done and and where, how far she's come. I remember when I had not even moved to LA yet and I was doing sketch at this tiny tiny theater with like 20 people in the audience and chelsea came and did you know 10 minutes wearing like overalls and a t-shirt and just killed and uh it felt like a very short time that she then had her own show like that was a quick rise you miss that i mean the live performance because with covid it's not happening as much but do you miss being on a live stage with people applauding and laughing I mean, I do. I do really love that. I don't think I get the buzz from that that stand ups do, which is why I've never I mean, one of many reasons I've never become a stand up is I don't have that urge to go do open mics and be willing to flop for that rush and that high that you get from from killing. If you're doing stand up, I really enjoy performing. I will say um, just in doing Comic Cons, which I do, which I've started doing again because they've been very, very safe and very respectful to everyone vaccinated masks, the whole thing. Um, and and even just doing a panel at a Comic-Con kind of scratches that itch. And is is it's been so nice to get back to that in the last couple of months and just get that feedback from the audience. I'm going to officially invite you to the one we have out here. Fan X is it's a huge. Yeah. The second biggest one in the world. Listen, I pretty much go anywhere I'm invited because I'm a people person like you. So I'm I would totally do it. I'd love to host you on a panel and just uh just to, uh, you know, represent you to the world because, you know, you, you're, a, you're the, the comedy that's in, uh, uh, um, um, geez, I forgot the name. Uh, uh, the oh, selling. selling. I know we went, we went far afield, but you're in a good way. way. Completely <laughs> the, the comedy that's in the selling is just so well done and the timing is great. And that is, you don't, you can't be a slouch and, and do that. You have to have that timing. Yeah, timing is everything with comedy. You're absolutely right. And and it always makes me so happy when really famous Oscar winning actors who do both intense, you know, like pathos ridden drama and who do comedy. I love when they say comedy's harder. It's the best feeling in the world, right? Because it, while I don't know if I agree, I appreciate that people understand that it's hard to do something very effectively and be funny. And especially with a funny movie, you know, that has to cross the boundaries of not just directing and acting, but editing, right? I mean, editing is everything in comedy. So that's a real example of a team effort because something could be hilarious when you're shooting it. And if it's cut wrong, it feels awkward and stilted and unfunny and weird, you know? Well, as you know, I'm, I'm, we're, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna wind down our interview, but as you know, I, this, this uh, conversation we had was, was pointed toward, uh, you know, the, the 10th anniversary of, of the selling and, and what a, what a great film. Everybody should get it. Everybody should, should rent it. And, uh, and everybody should send you like 10 bucks because, uh, <laughs> but you I will I gladly love, pass it on. I would love to circle back when you have some time and actually do a, a longer interview with you for my, um, uh, my syndicated TV show that I do. Sure, uh, of course, I'd be honored. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tag you on Twitter or someplace, and and we'll work that out. Great, and uh, it's great catching up with you. Like I said, I mean, you did those interviews. You know, from this end, you know how difficult sometimes this can be. But you made it so easy. It's like butter. 
It's like butter. It's uh, like listen, butter is delicious, and you can use it in almost everything. So if that means that I'm uh, versatile, I'll take it. I'm butter. I think I look like I'm drunk because my nose is all red. I, I think this lighting in here is terrible. I have so much makeup on, and I'm sitting in a closet, so don't worry. <laughs> yeah, these are not real books, by the way. Yeah, Fourteen bucks on Amazon, you can get nice. And you're you're like in a in a duck blind. Yeah, it does look like a duck blind. Yeah, it's a very pretty cloth tapestry. That's a an actual photograph that I ordered from this very cool website that supports like, you know, um, independent artists. But the way it's hanging right now, you're right. It just looks like weird duck blind camo. It's a right. little odd. I'm, I'm coming over and uh, we'll hang that right. <laughs> Sounds good. I, I really need it. I need the help. Janet, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's such a pleasure to, to chat with you. And like I said, let's let's swing back around and, 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 and do a little bit deeper and longer interview. I, uh, I just think you're a great conversationalist and I'd love to, uh, to talk with you a little longer oh for sure for sure yeah just and you can find me on my website too that's email me directly because it's just at janet at janet varney so that's easy oh okay well I'll, I'll, yeah I'll replay that so i can remember because i'm old nice <laughs> understood right. take care have a great day all right my friend lunch. okay you too bye -bye. thanks for having me